Well, we're glad that you're with us today, and I'm excited about this message. You know, Easter is coming up, and uh, that is one of the great foundational stone times of celebration of we, the believer. And so I want to talk to you today, next couple of weeks, about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, before we get into the message, I have some prayer requests I want you to join me with. You know, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. This is the time, I really believe this is the time for the church. I believe, and I was talking to pastors, and, and I believe they asked me what I thought God was doing, because I believe that God is rearranging the stage for another act of the kingdom of God. And as we were talking, I said, I believe that this is giving us a chance to examine ourselves, to look at ourselves, as it were, to prepare ourselves, refill ourselves, refresh ourselves, so that you and I can be prepared for the coming of the Lord. You mean, do you think that we're in the end times? We've been in the end times ever since the day of Pentecost. But, as do I believe that Jesus is going to come back tomorrow or the next day? He could. It wouldn't bother me one bit. But I believe that this time is a time that our attention has been awakened. And what we want to do is we want to make sure as Christians that we are prepared to meet God. And so it simply means that God wants us to begin to perfect holiness. God wants us to begin to separate ourselves and put our hands to the plow. God wants to make sure that we get our focus on those things that are important. And that's really what is important. What, why would we win the world and lose our soul? No, this is a time for the church to awaken. This is a time for the church to look at itself. It is a time for individuals. And some people have no problems, and, and bless your hearts, I'm glad that you don't, because people that have problems have problems. But we want to make sure, even though I'm ready to go with the Lord, you know what, I want to fortify everything I know. I want God to reevaluate me. I want God to sanctify me, move me into a place of greater use. That is my desire. And so when I see things like this, and God causes a pause, when he causes that time to take place and stops everything, and reorders the stage of the working of the kingdom of God, then I want to make sure that I am involved and that I'm aware of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you that during these times that we have at home, I mean, lots of us never get time at home. Now we have time at home to look, to search the scriptures, to establish and root what we believe. So use this time not only to strengthen yourself, but to be the church. Care for others. So let's do that today. Amen? We're going to start out uh, with these prayer requests that I have. I'm asking you to join me. You know, many times people ask us to pray for them, and we're thankful, and we do. But I want to challenge you to pray with me. I want you to pray 
for salvations. I believe that God is about to put a sickle into the harvest fields of America, into the harvest fields of Ohio. I believe God wants America to be saved. I believe God wants Ohio to be saved. And I believe that God wants you and your families to be saved. So let's pray for salvation. And let's pray for spiritual growth in those that get saved and those that already are saved. Secondly, I want you to pray that you and I and the body of Christ would give ear to what God is saying in every era of our life. Let us become awakened to the presence of God, as it were, to get a mindful place where we consider God in all that we do. If we could consider God in all that we do, what would we do and what wouldn't we do? So I want to encourage you to pray with me. And then I ask you to pray with me that the church, the body of Christ, would awaken itself and go into their local world. To go into their local world. You can sit on a uh, couch and use your telephone and call 10 backsliders and talk to them about Jesus. We need to be awakened, and we need to go to the world. Jesus said, I have a meat or a work to do my Father's will that you know not of. And he said, I must be about my Father's business because the darkness will come, and there will be a time that you and I cannot work or labor. So let you and I go into our world. If your fingers work, then evangelize all those that you can think about. And then I ask that you begin to pray for people in our church, in the body of Christ, people that you know, that they would connect to their purpose. And then the last one, I ask you to pray for an outpouring, an overflowing of the Holy Ghost so that as we are filled with his life, we can pour it out to other people. So please pray with me about those things. Don't forget towards the end of the program, we are going to be receiving communion. So I want to start out today in Hebrews, the ninth chapter and verse 22. Hebrews 9, 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That word remission simply means that without the shedding of blood, there can be no release from the bondages, the prisons, the change, the depressions, there can be no pardon from a man's sin except through the blood of Jesus Christ. It means to let the prisoner go free. It means to release them from their sins as if they had never happened or any record had ever been written. 
Now that's what the remission of sins is. So when Jesus sheds his blood, he brings a remission of our sins. He brings a deliverance from the bondages of sin and the bondage to the kingdom of darkness. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, and it starts in Exodus 12, 21, it tells the story that we've heard many times about the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb was not man's idea. It was God's idea because God wanted Israel free from the power of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a symbolism of Satan. He has oppressed God's people. He has caused them to be distressed. He's caused them to be depressed, and they can't even hear the word of the Lord. And I'm sure that all of us, sometimes, some point, have had something out of that basket, that the devil has come against us so much that we almost cannot even lift our head or believe the goodness of the scriptures that God is revealing. Now, here's what the blood of the Passover lamb was about. Then in verse 21, And Moses called for all the elders of Israel. Now he said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike it Strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin, and none of you shall go out at that door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and not suffer the destroyer or the death angel to come in unto you and your household to smite you. And ye shall observe this Passover for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord will give you according as he hath promised, and that ye shall keep this ordinance or this service. And it shall come to pass that when your children will say unto you, What mean ye by this service or this ordinance? And ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. God's idea, God's plan. Passover that passes over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses and the people bowed, bowed their head and worshiped. And the children of Israel went away and did as, Mo, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Now here we see that they are to do this every year. It is an ordinance. It is a service unto the Lord. It is a service to their families. It is an acknowledgement that man cannot redeem or save himself. That the devil without God on our side is greater than us. 
but with God on our side, there is a covenant where God protects men and women under the covering of the blood. The Bible says that God will oversee the or shadow the door and will not suffer the devil to come in. In that, what we see is that there is power in the blood to keep the devil outside of our relationship with God. It means that in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that there is a covenant that will protect your family. In the covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we should not partake of leaven. We know that a little leaven leavens a whole lot, but Jesus has cleansed us and he is our Passover lamb. We do not have to offer it up. Jesus has already offered up himself and what we see in the Passover lamb in the old covenant we now see in reality of our Passover lamb in the new covenant so Jesus as the Passover lamb under the blood we see that there is provision the lamb for the family we see that there's protection we see there is the presence of the Lord we see that God protects us through the dark things we see that God in the morning will bring light and he'll keep us until the day star rises in our heart so we see that the blood covenant the blood of the Passover lamb has great great benefits now the Passover lamb was also carried out any time that Israel would get into sin. Now, in 2 Chronicles, the 34th chapter, verse 33, it talks about a king. His name is Josiah. Josiah is the youngest king uh, in the history of all the kings of Israel. He's about eight, nine years old when he takes the throne. And what... Josiah does is even though his father followed the Lord he allowed idol worship to happen through Israel and in the high places in the hills and in the mountains and he never cleansed the nation of Israel from idol worship see we can't just start doing good we need to use the power of the blood to break all of the bondages that have been put on us when we dwelt in the kingdom of darkness. But the power of the blood of the Lamb in 1 John 1, 7 says that it will cleanse us from all sin, it will separate us from our sin, and it will sanctify us. In other words, it is a perpetual working, breaking off hindrances and things that are not acceptable to the Christian faith. See, we need the power of the blood because there's nothing that can do what the blood of Jesus Christ did. And so it talks about Josiah. And Josiah calls Israel to repentance. And what he does is he tells them to forsake all of the idols of their fathers. Those things that they have been dabbling in that are not acceptable to God. Now here is how many animals were sacrificed for one nation, for Israel, 
where Josiah was king. They did lambs, they did oxen, they did cattle, and there were 41,400 animals offered up at one Passover so that the blood could redeem and bring remission to the nation of Israel. That is a lot of animals. A lot of animals. Josephus, which was a historian of Israel, says that during Passover every year, that hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lambs would be herded down the streets of Jerusalem, just Jerusalem. That's not talking about uh, uh, Nazareth. That's not talking about Bethel. That's not talking about any of the other uh, cities that are honoring that. But in Jerusalem, hundreds of thousands of lambs would come during the Passover. They were herded. They were sold. They were inspected. And they were symbolisms of what the Passover lamb would do when he come. And so Israel, hundreds of thousands of lambs giving their life, yet it could not cleanse them from a consciousness of sin. The blood of bulls and of goats, Hebrews 10.4, says could not make the offering or the people that offered them perfect. But Jesus Christ, our Passover, hallelujah, His blood is more powerful than hundreds of thousands of lambs to redeem a nation. His blood redeemed all of humanity. Jesus is our Passover. So we understand that we could not be saved by the blood of bulls and of oxen, we had to be saved by one blood source. And that blood source, according to Acts 20, 28, it says that, that God himself shed his blood for you and I. Can you imagine that God loved you and I so much that he shed his blood that you and I could be free? Now, our sin was not hindering God didn't extract from his power, but he never created you and I to be bound by sin. There's only one source of the blood that can save man. You know, if you're viewing me today, some of you are attending churches that have never offered you the opportunity to give their life, your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you may never have heard that Jesus is the only way. Some of you have may never heard that it's not works that save you, but faith in Jesus Christ and His blood. So today, if you're watching me, and many of you are watching me, and many of you are what we all know as backsliders. You once were in the position of God, a fellowship, blessing, a place of peace, a place of rest and a place of freedom. But during all of the things that have went on, you know, it just started dropping little things and pretty soon the gap between you and God got deeper and wider 
and now you're back here, yet you're longing to be where you once were. I'm calling you today to the place of restoration. I'm calling you today back to the place that God wants you to come in as a prodigal son and put your feet under the table. He's got a robe waiting for you. He's got a crown for you. He's got a ring for you. He's got sandals for your feet. And he's got a place for you at the table. See, God has never forgotten you. God has never left you. God has always been there for you. He's waiting for you to come back. He's not mad. He's not disappointed. He hasn't forgotten his love for you. And you have not run out of his love for you. If you're watching me today and you're not a Christian, you've never received Jesus Christ. You could be a member of the church but have never surrendered your life to Jesus. Or maybe you're a backslider. I want you right now in the middle of this service to stretch forth your hand towards your phone, towards your iPad, whatever it might be, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now, it's not in the words. It's in the sincerity and your commitment to walk this life with Christ. Say this with me. Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the son of the living God. And I do believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I believe that you shed your blood to wash away all my sins. And I ask you now, Jesus, to come into my heart. I surrender to you and I confess you as the Lord of my life. All of you backsliders, please pray this. Father, receive me. I come home. I turn from my ways, and I now come under the covering of the order of your house. I accept my robe. I accept my ring. I accept my sandals. I thank you for restoration. I thank you for inviting me home. Amen and amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, either one, please get on and put your comments in so that we can rejoice with you. So, Jesus is our Passover. In other words, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament symbolisms that it required that there was the death of something innocent for the life of something guilty. John the Baptist said it this way, John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world. Taketh away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. And we know that we were not redeemed with corruptible things, 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20, as such as silver and gold, because money cannot free men from the rule of sin in their life. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. We must quit preaching everything else. We must quit preaching just water baptism. We must quit preaching just church membership because it is only by the blood that we can be saved in Jesus' name. 
In Numbers 21, Israel had sinned against God. And when they sinned, it opened the door for serpents to come in to their households, into the nation. And when the serpents came in, many people were bitten. And many people were dying because of the rule of sin in their life. And then God told Moses, as Moses said, God, please forgive us. God said, this is what you must do. I want you to make a brazen uh, serpent and I want you to put it on a pole. And whosoever looks upon that serpent on that pole shall be healed. Now, that pole was a symbolism of the cross. And whenever people turn and look to the cross, the place where the blood was shed, what happens is we see the defeat of Satan over our life. Remember when they took the blood of the Passover lamb and they hit the lintel and the two side posts? That was symbolic of the cross. Jesus shed his blood there, and that blood redeems man from his transgressions and his sins as if he's never, ever committed them. And so we see that that cross, or what Moses did there in the wilderness, that when we look upon the cross, we see the blood of Jesus, but we see the defeat of Satan's kingdom over us. And that's what we need to realize today. In John 3, 14, it says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God loved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn it, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you realize that without the blood of Jesus Christ, Satan would still rule your life? Do you realize without the blood of Jesus Christ, eternal life could not be yours? Do you realize that without the blood of Jesus Christ, you would perish? That word means to be lost. That word means to die. That word means to come to ruin. That word means to uh, be defeated, to be totally destroyed. See, the blood of Jesus is not just for eternal life, but it's for you to live life and it more abundantly today. And when the blood of Jesus Christ, when you see the power of the blood, you see that he has conquered Satan's kingdom. He has abolished it and brought it to naught. So without the blood, there is nothing but condemnation in a man's life. But if you are born again, or if you have received Jesus Christ, then there is no condemnation. 
The blood of Jesus washes away your sin. Washes it away. Washes it away. Without the blood, there is no escaping a tormented end, which is when God pours His wrath out upon all those that have rejected Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 9 says that God, through Jesus Christ and His blood, has saved us from the wrath to come. See, there is a day that is coming that the wrath of God is going to be poured out upon the wicked to those that are unbelieving, those that are fearful, those that are blasphemers, and those that are whoremongers. And it's going to be poured out. Not that God wants it, because God's desire is that you be loose and that there would be a remission of your sins. That's why he sent his only begotten son, to shed his blood for your remission of sins. So Jesus wants us to be free from the wrath of God. And the end and the totality of the wrath of God is in eternal hell without him. That's not what God is beseeching you for. He's calling you to a place where your sins can be remitted. And only through the blood of Jesus Christ can it be. Without the blood, there is no washing away of your sins. See, the blood of bulls and of goats would cover sin, but it could not displace it or wash it away from a person's life. Therefore, they were always mindful of their sin. They always walked under condemnation. But you, you and I, since we have been washed in the blood of Jesus, we have no condemnation. There is no record of our sin. There is no record that we've ever been a sinner. Hallelujah. That is the power of the blood. Romans 1, 5 said that the blood of Jesus has washed our sins away. Revelations 1 and 5, and then Revelations 1 and 6 is that without the shedding of blood, there is no new identity that you receive from God the identity of a priest. You can't approach God without having had your sins washed away. You cannot come before Him just to offer up thanksgiving because your sins separate you from God. But when the blood of Jesus Christ washes it away, now we can come as forgiven priests before God. And then it says that there is, that he made us priests and kings. That's been done by the identity given to us by the washing away of our sins. And there is no seating in heavenly places or positions of kingship to rule over our enemies without the shed blood of Jesus. But with the shed of Jesus' blood, washing your sins away, know this, that you have authority to rule your enemies. You have authority to rule over the devil. You have authority to speak to storms. You have authority 
to move mountains. You have authority to heal the sick. You have authority to set the leper free. You have authority to free the depressed and the oppressed. You have authority because you have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That is the power of the blood. Revelations 12, 11. They overcome Satan, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. What does that mean? We overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. See, only when sin is washed away are you and I freed from the kingdom of darkness. When our sins are washed away, we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. It only happens because of the blood. It only happens when we have been washed. And when we overcome the enemy by our blood, remember, we don't overcome him by our strength, but we overcome him by the strength of God covering our lives. We have authority because we have been redeemed. The blood of Jesus Christ sets you free from the place of a lack of power, from the place of being ruled by the enemy, from the place where lust of the mind, of the eyes, and of the flesh rule your life. The Bible says in Romans 6 chapter, sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. But he that committeth sin is the servant of sin. John the 8th chapter. But when you have your sins washed away, you are not a servant, but you're a child of God and a ruler of principalities and powers. Hallelujah. That is the power of the blood. And when you take what the blood has done for you, and you put it in your testimony, or you declare it. You know, a testimony is telling a story that's already passed. So what you want to do is you want to tell what the blood has done, even though you see no evidence of it. You want to give testimony. In other words, you want to declare the benefits of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how you overcome the devil. Never be silent about the blood. Because where there is silence, there is no victory in your life. But when you are freed from sin, hallelujah, when your sins have been washed away, when you begin to testify what the blood has done in your life, what the blood said it would do in your life, when you do, victory is born. He overcomes the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony. Folks, don't be subject to the devil. Don't crowd and don't let him beat you up. 
You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and you have a voice to mix faith with every inheritance of what the blood did for your life. When Satan comes, you put him right back into remembrance where God has brought you because of the blood. Don't be silent when he comes, but give your testimony. Begin to declare, sin have no power over me because my sins have been washed away. I am an overcomer because of the blood of the Lamb. I'm not subject to the kingdom of darkness, but I've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. His blood has made me a priest. I can approach God. His blood has made me a king. I am a ruler. I have authority. I can cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus. What does plead mean? That means stand before your enemies. Stand before the judge of the universe and tell him what the blood has done on your behalf. Plead and declare, this is what the Lord has said. Lay out your case that is based upon truth and the purpose of God and the backing of the shedding blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's let the devil know that we are not foolish, nor ignorant, nor are we going to live without bold faith. And bold faith says that we can be bold when we have our conscience cleansed from an evil conscience, our faith cleansed from an evil conscience. In other words, have boldness in the power of the blood. Stop thinking of how you lived before you were saved. Stop thinking of your shortcoming and rejoice in the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb sanctifies us daily and draws us closer to God. Hallelujah. And then the Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, that we are redeemed without the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no redemption. Well, isn't redemption the same as forgiveness? No. The word redemption means that there is a transfer of ownership. Woo! Transfer of ownership. You might have been the child, the child of the devil, but once the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to your life, God buys you back from corruption. He buys you back from sin. He buys you back from the destructor. He buys you back from the tormentors. And he frees you and causes you to be his. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, Look, we understand that God himself hath bought us. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. What is the price? Not silver and gold, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus has bought us, and we are the property of God. God is our owner, and we will glorify him in body and in spirit because we belong to him. See, that is what redemption is. 
It's a transfer from one Lord to another Lord. That comes about only by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. One more, then we'll come back together next week. Colossians 1.14, it says this, In whom we have redemption, freedom, a transfer of ownership. Hallelujah. I belong to God. I belong to God. Think what he did to the birds that belonged to him. He fed them. Think about the grass. He just keeps abundantly bringing them forth and prospering them. Think about how he clothed the lilies. If he did that just for grass that is one day here and the next day gone, what will he do for you that are purchased by blood to spend eternity with him? Oh, the Father loves you far more than he loves creation. The Father loves you and he bought you by his own blood. Bought you by his own blood. And then it says we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is kind of like taking all of the things that you have done in life and casting them as far as the east is to the west. Micah says that he cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Somebody said that God hung up a sign and said, no fishing here. In other words, you can't find your sins anymore. How God loves you. He shed his blood for you. His blood makes you a conqueror. His blood identifies you as worth more to God alive than dead. That God had a plan for you even when you were not planning for him the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I know that you're watching today. The Bible says God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He came, Jesus did, to hang on a cross, to shed his blood. And every man and every woman needed a Savior and needs one today. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The blood and the shed blood of Jesus Christ reminds us all that we are all on a level playing ground and we all must be saved. We must be liberated from our bondage. We must be broken free from the bondage of the curse, the bondage of sin, the bondage of death. Jesus came to die for you and I. What more could he do? What more could God do than to show his love, shed his blood, and allow you to receive its benefits? Hallelujah. If you're watching me today and you're not a Christian, friend, God is calling your name. I remember when he called my name. I felt in my heart, I must.
find God. I didn't know very much. I didn't, wasn't a religious man. I didn't know much about religion, churches, or anything. I just went in to my bedroom. Maybe you're in your living room. Doesn't matter where you're at. Maybe you're in your car. You're at work. But I knelt. You don't have to kneel, but I bent my knee. And I said, God, they tell me I need forgiven of my sins. They tell me I need to be saved. So I said, God, here's the deal. This is all I knew. And I said, God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe, God, that he died for my sins. And I do believe that, God, you raised him from the dead. I, I believe that. As much as I can, I believe that. Certainly I had doubts. Certainly. My mind was flooded with them. Satan was speaking to me. You can't be saved. God will never forgive you. This isn't real. This is just an imagination. You're just looking for a way out. You're weak-minded. Wasn't weak-minded. I needed a Savior. I was condemned, bruised, bound, imprisoned, shackled, and hopeless, headed for an end without God. So I said, now God, I don't feel anything because I didn't. I said, so I'm going to stand up and I'm going to start telling everybody I'm a Christian. Now, not everybody was happy with that. Some cussed me, some rejected me, some mocked me. That was okay. But I said, now God, when I start telling people, I expect that you treat me like a Christian. I really didn't know what a Christian was except one that followed Jesus and did what he asked me to do. And then I started reading the Bible. I started talking to God just like I would talk to a person. And over the time, I began to grow, begin to get stronger, begin to know God, begin to know His Word, expressing His will. I started hearing His voice. You're watching me today. You're not a Christian. Friend, there is no way out of this life to heaven without Jesus Christ. You know that you're empty. You know that you're drying up. You know that you're just like a twig with no life in it, waiting to be broken. The devil has you on a string. You don't know where to go. Drugs hasn't worked. Alcohol hasn't worked. Free sex hasn't worked. Cigarettes haven't worked. Gambling hasn't worked. Nothing has worked because there's only one way to know true freedom, and that's to 
receive the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let God free you. Pray this prayer with me today and receive Jesus Christ. Get online and comment. Let me know so that we can contact you and rejoice with you, friend. Now, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've been doing. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Some of you still smell like alcohol. It doesn't matter. Still smell like the joint that you smoked before you went to bed. It doesn't matter. Still smell like the bed that you just got up out of and it isn't yours. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what or where you are or what you've done. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you're alive. And I believe that you shed your blood that I could be saved. I now confess you as Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my life. Satan, I'm no longer yours. I belong to God. Amen and amen. Please contact us so that we can help you grow in the things of God. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to receive communion. And uh, remember, as Ashley said, it's not just in the elements. What it is, is in the intent. I can imagine Paul and Silas taking in prison. Maybe they had a piece of bread left from what another prisoner had had or maybe what had been given them. And they took that piece of bread. They lifted it up. And they said, Father, we give thanks for this bread. We give thanks, God, and our intent is to call to remembrance what the broken body of Jesus Christ did. That he bore my transgressions that I could live under righteousness. That he bore the curse that I might receive the blessings of Abraham. He bore my sicknesses that by his stripes I've been healed. Father, I thank you for the sacrificial lamb that I partake of now, meeting all of my needs, providing all of my desires. Father, I thank you for this, and I receive it now by faith in Jesus Christ. Then I don't know if they had water. I don't know what they had to drink. I know they were in the innermost parts, the darkest of the dark, the coldest of the cold, the hopeless of the hopeless, the chilly of the chill. But they found something and they said, God, with the intent to remember that God, the blood of Jesus Christ, has washed away my sins. 
And I remember, God, how I was a transgressor, how I persecuted the church, but God, you forgave me, and I was the chief of all sinners. God, I forgive them that put me in this wretched place unrighteously. I forgive those that locked the door behind me. I forgive all of those, God, that have forsaken Silas and I while we are here. And I remember the benefits of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I forgive all men that have trespassed against me. Thank you for this blood. For this blood justifies me and makes me righteous before you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to pray. Someone has a hurt back. Doesn't say how they hurt it. Someone is plagued with asthma. Someone's dealing with panic attacks. Someone has eczema. eczema. Someone is dealing with fibroid myalgia blood clots they are recovering from a hip replacement someone has damaged cartilage in their ankle and someone is dealing with the virus the coronavirus father in the name of Jesus you have provided for us in the blood of Jesus that blood that ran from his back where he bore our sicknesses and diseases our transgressions and our iniquities God we have been healed healing has been provided for us in the name of Jesus I curse right now this back pain I command these inflamed muscles and I command right now that dislocated back come into alignment and I loose miracles God and I thank you for it now for those of you that are being healed that have called in even if you haven't called in you'll notice the pain gone please make the comment so we can rejoice with you this eczema in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth you skin disease I command this blood right now to transform and to change itself bring this immune system into balance in the name of Jesus I curse you come out of them then God I pray for asthma in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth come out of them God I loose miracles in Jesus name I pray for these panic attacks you devil you tormenting spirit these panic attacks will cease. God, you've given us peace that passes all understanding, and I thank you for it now. I pray right now for fibromyalgia, all of this inflammation of the nerve ends, endings. In the name of Jesus, you devil, come out of them right now. In Jesus' name. I speak the blood clots to dissipate right now. Come out of their body. Change their blood, God. That blood clots will not happen. I pray, God, that this hip 
replacement God, that they'll rise up, be strong, and it'll be repaired quickly. And then God, I pray for all of this cartilage in the name of Jesus. Balance it, God. God, replace that which has been destroyed. God, I curse arthritis in that ankle. I loose right now, God, miracles into that ankle right now in the name of Jesus. You can freely move that. I just saw it right now. You can go ahead. And I curse right now this virus in this man. You devil, I command you right now, come out of him. We have decreed that it will not come nigh the family of faith. And you will not hinder him. You will not stay. Go in Jesus Christ's name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah, God. We thank you for miracles today in these people's lives. Please comment in and let us know what God has done so we can rejoice with you. Praise the Lord. Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to be right here again. We're going to be preaching a word. Last week was a word that put uh, a new perspective that God is pausing things and that God is rearranging the stages of the kingdom of God, and we are about to see the second act of what God is about to do. And I encourage you, call a friend, witness to him, tell him about Jesus. If not, invite him over, watch it in your house Wednesday. We love you. Don't forget Tuesday night at 6 o'clock, we will be having the prayer uh, time you can call in. It's the line of hope. What can we do at times like this but only believe? So join us for the Hope Line Tuesday night and Thursday night at 6 o'clock. We love you. God bless you. I know Phyllis is not here, but I got a sneak and hunt. She's watching. And if she could say anything, she'd say, we love you. And uh, she can't wait to get, you know why? I'm the only thing she's got to talk to. We don't have a dog. We don't have a cat. And the neighbors live too far away. She is going bonkers. But I know that she loves you, so I express her love towards you. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Bye-bye.